Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you this morning. It's lovely to see almost a full church. And um, I, uh, if my voice sounds a little bit gravelly or husky, then um, please uh, excuse that. Uh, on uh, on Thursday, I had to go to the hospital for uh, an en- endoscopic ultrasound, which includes putting a, a chew down your throat, right down, so that they can have a look in your in, in your stomach and, uh, and and find out what's wrong with you. And um, I'm still suffering the effects of that. My throat is not quite uh, up to scratch this morning. In fact, right at the right at the beginning of the day on Thursday, you know when you've got to go to hospital and you you know you're a little bit anxious about things. Uh, well, I, I can't say that I was totally relaxed about it. I, I was a little bit anxious having to go for this uh, for this procedure at the hospital. Um, and so I, you know, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm usually down first in our house. I'm, I'm an early riser, and uh, I, I came downstairs and, uh, and 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 I picked my Bible up, and I said, Lord, I said, one thing I do need from you today is a word. I said, please give me a word, and uh, and I and, and I and I, I, I wasn't just sort of flicking through looking for anything, but my daily reading was actually in Proverbs nine. And uh, this was the verse that uh, that the Lord gave me, and I have to tell you, it was a real comfort to me, because it was Proverbs nine and verse eleven, and and this is what it says: It says, "For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you." And I just said, "Thank you, Lord." Because if I needed a word, then you've given it me right at the at the precise time. So thank the Lord for that. But it's good to uh, it's good to be able to share with you this morning. And um, I have got a Bible reading. So if uh, if you have a Bible, or you would like to uh, get it up on your electronic device, then I'm going to read from the book of Habakkuk. Now, um, Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets, and you know you don't you don't hear many sermons on Habakkuk because a lot of folks that you know a lot of preachers they don't know where it's found in the Bible, <laughs> but it's actually found in the minor prophets. And I'm going to read to you uh, the first eleven verses of chapter one. So that's Habakkuk chapter one and verses one to eleven. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem the righteous. The wicked hem in the righteous. So that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. This is the Lord's answer 
this is the second part of the um, uh, this is the second part of the chapter and it's the Lord's answer and this is what God says to Habakkuk look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told I am even if you were told I am raising up the Babylonians that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honour. Their horses are swifter than lepers, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture, swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their God. How often have you heard the words, that's not fair. That's not fair. For those of you who've had families and children, you'll know that that's something that is said quite a lot especially if you've got a family of children it's not fair in fact life is not fair when you start asking why why is life so unfair then in a sense you're asking God why are you so unfair maybe it's because of your experience of life maybe you've prayed for someone and who've been sick and they haven't been healed maybe you've prayed for the salvation of your loved ones and nothing has happened and then you look at someone else's family and you think well they seem to be okay they seem to they seem to have everything that they want they seem to uh, get their prayers answered. But in fact, the Bible is full of examples of life being unfair. And you only have to look, if you go way back to the, to the beginning of the Bible, uh, Adam and Eve, one of their sons killed another one. One of theirs killed another one. And then you find that as you go through, and I've only picked out a few examples, there are many that I could mention. But the second example is Jacob. Remember Jacob? He worked for seven years for the love of his life, Rachel. And that was the agreement between Rachel's father. And then right at the last minute, he was tricked into marrying the eldest daughter, Leah. And... And then the thing about it was that he had to make another agreement with the father of these uh, of these women, and and the agreement was that he that he had to work another seven years, so that he could marry Rachel. Uh, 
Is that really fair? And then we have Joseph. Joseph was one of the sons of Jacob. And he was Jacob's favourite and he was given a coat of many coats. And his brothers were, were jealous of him. They were jealous of him and they decided that they, uh, because he was the father's favourite, they decided that they, they would get rid of him. And so they almost decided to kill him. But they stopped short of that. And they got hold of him and they put him in a pit. And he was taken by some Ishmaelite traders to the, to the land of Egypt. And there he was sold as a slave. And he was, uh, he, he was a slave to Potiphar and he was falsely accused. And he was thrown into prison. And he was left in prison for quite a number of years. Is that fair? And then we have Job. And the song that we just sang, that, that was actually taken from the book of Job, that, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Bible tells us that Job was blameless and upright in the sight of God. He was a good man. And yet he, he lost his herds, his flocks, he lost sons and daughters. And even at the end of that, he could still say the words that we've just been singing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it was, and once again, those words you give and take away. He says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And he could still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Even though I've lost earthly possessions, even though I've lost members of my family, I can still say yes to the Lord. I can still praise him. I can still worship him. And then, of course, there was Daniel. Now, Daniel was a man of prayer. He was a man who, who loved God. And nothing was going to stop him praying, even though, even though the king issued a decree that no one could, could, could pray except to the king. But Daniel's king was God. And he continued to pray three times a day. What happened to him? He was thrown into the lion's den. God protected him and he came out alive. And then you have Jesus. Jesus came to earth on a rescue mission. The reason he came to earth was so that he might take the punishment for your sin and for my sin. The Bible says that God sent his son. The Bible tells us that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so it was necessary for Jesus to come and to live as a man and to die a cruel death upon a cross. Why? Because of our sin. The only remedy for sin is Jesus Christ. The only way that we can be forgiven before God is through Jesus Christ. And that is the gospel. 
that we preach. That is the gospel. That is the good news today in 2023. Was that fair? And then if you look in the, through the New Testament, you come across Paul, the Apostle Paul. And he was a persecutor of the Christians. He wanted to, he wanted to stamp out Christianity completely. And he was a man with a mission. And he was on the way to Damascus one day and he was, he was looking for letters so that anybody who, who spoke about Jesus could be thrown into prison. He needed that permission. He needed the authority to be able to do that. But Jesus met him on the way to Damascus and spoke to him. And he said, I've chosen you. you, you, you you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer, but you're going to take my message to the Gentiles. You're going to preach. You're going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and they're going to and they're going to believe. But you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer many things for my namesake. And he did. If we read the account of of the Apostle Paul, some of the things that he suffered. He talks about hardships. He talks about beatings. He talks about imprisonments. Life is not fair. And then we have today in the modern age, the persecuted Christians. Mark mentioned about the open doors and, and, and I believe that as Christians we should be interested in what's going on in different countries of our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted for their faith. There's some statistics regarding the persecuted church. To be a Christian means to belong to the most persecuted people, people's group in the whole world. And that every two hours a Christian is killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. An estimated 340 million believers are in danger of physical violence. Losing their homes, losing their jobs, losing their livelihoods, or even their lives because of their faith in Jesus Christ. One in seven believers worldwide suffer simply for believing in Christ. In Asia, two out of five believers suffer high levels of persecution. Is that fair? The inexhaustible truth is, the is that the Bible never tells us that life is fair. In fact, life, we come to the conclusion that life is not fair. But the question is, how do we respond to that? If we come to a conclusion that life is not fair, how do we respond we may not find a satisfactory answer, but we can find good reasons to trust in the character of God. You see, one of the responses could be that, well, bad things happen to good people. And that often happens. And so we come to the conclusion, well, well, God must be out of touch. God must be out of reach. God doesn't care. 
He might be tucked away somewhere in heaven there, but he's, but he's, he's not conscious of what's going on with us. He's not interested in me. He's not interested in my problems and the emotions that I'm feeling right now. He doesn't care. And so we dismiss God completely. And then secondly, there are those who say, well, it all balances out in the end. Did you know that in Hindu karma, that it takes up to 6.8 million incarnations to realize perfect justice? But in the end, every person will receive the right amount of pain and pleasure. Can you really believe that? And then there are those who enter into denial. There is no problem here. Many well-meaning Christians take this approach. The reason for all the suffering in your life is, you know, there's, there's got to be a reason for it. The supposed words of comfort that God is trying to teach you a lesson. God's trying to teach you something. You just need to listen. And all things work together for good, so you'll be okay. Good intentions. Friends, sometimes when somebody's having a hard time, it's best, I've learned this, is to say nothing at all. Just to be there for them. So if you need anything, I'm here for you. And then there's the fourth option. Life is not fair, but God is good. Life is not fair, but God is good. Life is made up of everything that happens to us or hits us. You see, we live in a broken world. And it's easy sometimes to blame God. Well, if God is all-powerful, if God is almighty, then why doesn't he do something? Why doesn't he change the situation? Why doesn't he intervene in the affairs of mankind? Why? Evil and injustice are very much alive in our world today. We see this in action here in this passage of scripture. Now Habakkuk was one of 12 minor prophets. And he was around at the time of Jeremiah the prophet. And he was watching the enemy approach. The empire of Babylon was getting stronger and moving in. And Nebuchadnezzar was about to overcome Judah with a series of invasions and destroy the city and the temple. And the name Habakkuk, it means wrestle. And we find here in these verses that we read together that Habakkuk is wrestling with God as he faced the problems. And here in these verses, Habakkuk has three major problems with God. Three major complaints. He says in the first one, he says, you don't seem to care. You don't seem to care what's happening to us, Lord. Secondly, you aren't doing much when you could do something. And thirdly, what you are doing doesn't seem fair. In other words, if I were you, God, I would do things a lot differently. I don't like the way that you're doing it. And we find here that Habakkuk, Habakkuk has a conversation with God. 
And here is his complaint. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. But God was listening all the time. He was listening to the prayer that Habakkuk was praying. Because he answered the prayer. And he said, look, Habakkuk, this is what you're praying. And this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. He says, look at the nations and you'll be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe. Even if you were told, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless, impetuous people to sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places, not their own. You see, things are bad now, Habakkuk, but they're going to get worse. It's not going to be favorable for you. Things are going to get worse. Now, when you pray to God about a situation, one thing you don't want to hear is that things are going to get worse. What you want to hear if you pray to God about something that you're going through a hard time or you've got a really difficult problem, you want to hear the words, they're going to get better. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. But that wasn't the answer that God gave. He says, no, things are going to get worse before they get better. And how many, how many of us have been there or maybe even or may even be there right now? You see, when we get these crises in our lives, we can go in one or two directions. You see, we can take the easy option. We can deny the reality. And go back and live in the place where everything felt so secure and safe. And we have so many questions. This is what I thought about you, God. But you're not going to do what I thought you'd do. So let's just forget it, shall we? And a lot of people walk away. Walk away from the church. Walk away from the Lord. Disappointed with God. And yet there is a verse in scripture that says, My ways are not your ways. Neither are my thoughts your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways. Or we can go for the more difficult option. No one said that following Jesus was ever going to be easy. In fact, Jesus himself said, if anyone wants to be my disciple and follow me, then he must take up his cross daily and follow me. In other words, he must put self-interest on one side and not live for himself, but live for me. In other words, regardless of the circumstances, Lord, I'm going to trust you. It doesn't mean things are going to get better. In fact, they may get worse. As in the case of Habakkuk, things are going to get worse before they get better. It might become more painful. You might have more struggles. But embrace God no matter what. No matter what he does around you. And I tell you, we will take you on a journey to a place of intimacy and trust and security that you never thought was possible. 
everyone in a close relationship with God has been through these seasons. Maybe you've prayed for someone. Someone who is sick and maybe they haven't recovered. I can remember early on in my pastoral ministry, I'd only just I'd only just been inducted into the church and we had a lady in the church who'd got breast cancer, a lady in her 40s with breast cancer. And I can remember there, you know, as a, as a young man being very enthusiastic and reading the scriptures and believing that this lady was going to get healed. There was a lady in her 40s with two teenage daughters but she didn't get healed. She passed away. And I can remember thinking, well, God, what's, I, I, I'm now left to, to pick up the pieces, as it were. What, I, what am I supposed to say? I tried to generate some enthusiasm for prayer in, in, in the congregation that I was leading. And now this had happened. And I could almost feel the disappointment coming from the people because... This lady had passed away after we had prayed for her. Fast forward about 20 years and I was taking a funeral of another lady who was in her 40s. And I can remember as I took this funeral, the, uh, uh, as I walked up the aisle and, the, and, and of course in front of the coffin, and as I stood at the front, the, the chapel where the service was held was absolutely packed to capacity. And I can remember seeing the two daughters walk in as I, as I stood in the pulpit. And as I looked at those two daughters, I can remember how they were distraught and in absolute pieces. And as I, as I saw these two teenage girls, two lovely teenage girls, and as they came to the front of the chapel, and, and I could almost feel their emotion. And I tell you, my friend, I had a job to hold it together for that service. Even the funeral directors were in tears. It was so sad. Is that fair? Is life fair? No. Life is not fair. Maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know what to believe right now. In the first chapter of Habakkuk, we find him doing a lot of what a lot of us do, wondering, what's it all about? Is it real? Are you really there, God? Do you really care? Habakkuk looked around and it looked as though it was a bleak outlook. It looked as though everything was falling apart. But then we find that Habakkuk, he seems to get his head together. He seems to get his head round it. And he seems to understand more about the situation. Because if we go to the, if we go to the third chapter of Habakkuk and verses 17 and 18, we find that there's a change in perspective. Because this is what he says in verse 17. He says, though the fig tree, verse 17 of chapter 3 says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, 
Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. So here we find a change has taken place. Habakkuk has realized that God is sovereign and that he will do what he wants to do. And it isn't a case that he doesn't care, but he's working out his purposes. And he mentions the basic ingredients of life for the Jewish people. The figs, the vines, the olives, the flocks, the cattle. And we find here in verse 18, one of the greatest statements of faith in the whole of the scripture. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, even though things are pretty bad at the moment. Even though things aren't working out for me at the moment. Even though I don't understand, God, what you're doing at the moment. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rejoice in you. And I'm going to worship you regardless of circumstances. He couldn't rejoice in his circumstances because they were so bad. And the outlook seemed even bleaker. But he could still Rejoice in the Lord. Whatever the circumstances, whatever the blessings or lack of them, we can be utterly convinced that God is good and he is worthy of our praise, even when we do not understand we may not rejoice in our circumstances, but we still rejoice in the Lord. Habakkuk had a change in perspective. So can you and me. We all have to deal with unfair situations. But how we respond to those unfair situations is so important. Sometimes we can get angry. We can get angry with God and, and he doesn't mind you getting angry with him at times. He doesn't mind you pouring out your heart to him and telling him those inner desires. We can make a decision to love like Jesus and trust him. No, life is not fair, but God is good. We're going to finish this message with by listening to a song. It's a song by Andre Crouch. Some of you may have heard of Andre Crouch. He was a black American singer. And um, and he wrote this song and there's a story behind the song. As a boy, Andre Crouch, he battled with dyslexia and he had to overcome stuttering. And the hardest times of his life came when his family members passed away, one after the other. His mother went first and then he lost his father and then his brother. And in fact, they all died within just a short span of two years. And he was asking the question, how can I praise God? How can I praise God in these situations when I feel so sad, when I feel so broken, 
when I'm grieving in the way that I am. But we find that Andre Crouchy held on to his faith, even through the bad times, even though he was lost almost everything, he held on to his faith. And this is the song that he wrote. It's called Through It All. We're going to listen to this song now before we have a prayer together. Let's just close our eyes for a few moments, bow our heads before the Lord. Maybe you're going through a difficult time right now. And God wants to just come alongside you and he wants to strengthen you. And he wants to give you a new perspective. He wants you to know that he loves you, that he cares about you more than you could ever know. And he wants to, he wants you to know that he is there. And that he will see you through. So whatever our problems, just whisper it to the Lord, just quietly in your hearts. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever difficulty you're having to face, tell the Lord about it. And although you may have said, well, life doesn't seem fair. Just believe that God is good and he will work out his purpose in your life for your good and for his glory. Father God, we want to thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord, that through it all, through all that we have to experience, through all, through all that we have to go through, Help us, Lord, to put our hand in your hand and help us to trust you, believing that you have our best interests at heart and believing that you will see us through. Lord, forgive us for those times when we haven't trusted. Forgive us for those times when we have tried to work it through on our own. But help us to know that you are there. And through it all, we will indeed continue to trust and depend upon your word. These things we ask in the name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.